0: Hello, Simon. Are you ready to podcast? Simon? Simon? Can you hear me, Simon? Simon, can you... I can see you. Can you see me? I can't hear you. No. How about now? Now? Can you hear me now? I can see you, but I can't hear you. There's a problem. I can see you, but I can't hear... What am I saying? That's perfect. Oh, I saw that. So you can hear me. Right. Okay. Okay, yes, Mm mm-hmm, I think it's your microphone. Your microphone isn't connected. That's it, grab your microphone cable, right? Follow it around, give it a good yank. The microphone cable, Simon, don't look like that. You know I meant the microphone cable, right? Right, that's it, it's a loose end. Now, grab that, grab the microphone jack and plug it in. Oh, where did you plug that in? Simon, Simon? Get up off the floor. Stop being lazy. Yep, yep, yep. No, no, that hairstyle suits you. Now plug the jack into the jack port on the computer. Good. What? No, I don't understand that gesture. Plug your. M- oh, you're gonna. You're gonna mime the gesture. All oh, right. What is. What does it mean then? It, you, right. Uh huh. Uh huh. With a bike pump. Uh huh. Where do you learn this stuff? Wash your mouth out. Now plug it in. Right. Now, speak into the microphone clearly.
1: You idiot. Can you hear me now?
0: Yes, I can hear you now. What's worse, I can see you also. Why did you tell me to plug that in there? Look at my hair now. I told you to plug it in. I assumed you knew where. Never mind your hair. It looks fine. Nobody can see you on the podcast. Yeah,
1: well, anyway, that's I can hit, you can hear me, I can hear you now, good, we can make a start.
0: Right, so, let us begin. Greetings, listener, and welcome to the Revelation Station podcast, once again brought to you by Two Fools. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Massive <laughs> amounts of enthusiasm from Simon there. Yeah. This is all your idea, you should be the enthusiastic one. <laughs>
1: no, this is great, this is great fun, this is great fun.
0: At least today is an awful day, so you're not actually pulling me out of the garden or stopping me from doing anything interesting.
1: Yes, well, it's winter time now, isn't it? So the weather is getting worse and worse. So we need to find something to keep us occupied, keep us off the streets on a Saturday afternoon. That's what pubs were invented for. They're all closed. It's lockdown, remember? I
0: know. I know. <laughs> Stop telling me that. <laughs> it'll
1: be all right. It'll
0: be all right. It, it'll, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. <laughs> it'll be. Yeah, that's a mantra I've got uh, tattooed <laughs> on the inside of my thigh right now. Oh, oh, lovely. Yeah, well, I'm not going into the story of why I've got that tattooed on the inside of my thigh. Well, anyway. Anyway, moving, <laughs> moving smoothly <on>. along. <laughs> so, Simon, you drag me back in front of the microphone once more. What are we doing this week? Well, continuing
1: our quest to get through all the solo albums. Today, we're doing our second special and covering Anthony Phillips's z- 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 The z- Geese z- and the
0: Ghost." Indeed we are, and you had me uh, listen to this all week. I did. I am so going to get you back for all of this at some point.
1: No spoilers, please. No, 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 no. I'm not saying
0: anything about the album. It's just that you're making me listen to all these albums. I Mm. literally have no free time, Simon. What else could you possibly be doing on a Saturday afternoon? Many things. Don't talk nonsense, man. (laughs) I could be... Oh, the pubs are shut, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Damn it. Yeah, all right. Let's let's carry on. It's me or nothing, baby. (laughs) You know, when they find my body one day with a suicide note, that particular (laughs) extract is going to be etched onto that suicide note. I'm doing this because Simon said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, yes. Well, here we are. Here we are indeed. So, Anthony (sighs) Phillips' album, The Geese and the Ghost. Yes. So,
1: just a little bit of background. Anthony Phillips... Uh, obviously was the guitarist in Genesis. He left in 1970 due to illness and stage fright, uh, as we have talked about before on the podcast.
0: Yeah, he really suffered with stage fright, didn't he? He did. It was um, I quite mean, bad. It's easy. Fear is a very um, difficult concept for some people to understand. Like, for instance, people who have phobias of buttons and things. It's mm. completely irrational to everybody else. But, you know, when you have a fear... It's not a funny thing. and it's not. To, to, you know, for a, for a musician to have stage fright, it, it is crippling.
1: Yeah, it is. So,
0: so the one thing I'm, that uh, impressed me about him doing this album, mm. um, and we, I assume we were coming to this in a small amount of time, is that he must have come under pressure from the record studio at some point to tour with this. Well, no, apparently no, but um,
1: that is, I think that's partly related to, to how the album was received. Um but no there was no pressure on him to tour and in fact he's never played live ever since leaving genesis really he uh, he did one concert which was online which was him in his living room with one other guy uh, which was recorded broadcast online and recorded and released and that's the only time he's ever
0: played live to uh, be fair, since leaving maybe that's, genesis that's the way around his fear um mm. you know in yeah. this day and age when you can record stuff literally by yourself in your bedroom hello, podcasters, um, you know, it, it's, it, it gets rid of the whole stage fright thing because you're literally just on your own. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. you know, this, this could be the time when people like him who suffer that way. Because I imagine, I mean, we both stood up in front of a lot of people, um, me in court and, and you in, you know, like whatever it is you've done. It's very difficult sometimes to understand when you can do something, how it can be crippling for somebody else.
1: Exactly. I mean, that time we appeared at uh, Wembley Arena when we played live there for that podcast episode. Yeah. And,
0: you know, you were in the toilet for most of the afternoon. You couldn't get out of there. Yeah, but that was because you locked the door. It was nothing to do with nerves, was it? You just love hogging the limelight, don't you? You say potato, I say potato. But I never got a chance to say potato because you locked me in the toilet. So he left the band because of stage fright and because he was ill with glandular fever which probably mm-hmm. just tipped him over the edge enough to say I've done now. Um, yeah, that's right. Which is which is you know as we said it's, it's difficult for a musician when you're going to be so limited. It must be mm. it must have been a tough call for him.
2: Yeah, I mean
1: if you think about it there it makes sense for him to not want to play live because when they first formed the band they formed the band to write songs for other people
0: yeah they were never they never intended to to be uh, player musicians they were just going to be a a writing troupe that wrote for and there's a lot of people out there who do that who never Uh. sit in front of sit in front of the mic they always work in the background writing songs for other people you know and that's that's a that's a true profession so it's understandable that when the rest of the band says hey we should do this as a group that he would go this isn't what i signed up for yeah exactly but anyway
1: so he left the band in 1970 and freed from that pressure of constant touring he started to write new music almost straight away um, and a
0: lot of it ended up on this album yeah i mean i was reading something earlier and it says you know like within 10 days of leaving genesis he already had the Mm. best of like four or five tracks written it just shows he must have been really really bottling it up and bottling the
1: the stress and the pressure to then Mm. suddenly oh i've not got i've not got that pressure anymore and, and now get I can on with concentrate on what I like doing, get on with things. So, you know, he enrolled as a student at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, and also he taught music part-time during this period. That's right, so,
0: because he actually started work on the album and then stopped because he realised he yes. needed a little more grounding in what he was doing. Yeah, and he actually stopped right. and took classes in classical, guitaring, piano, orchestration, uh, uh-huh. harmonies and yeah. as you say he also taught at that point didn't he um yeah, you know right. to really give himself a much deeper understanding of what he was trying to do several of his students actually appear on this album
1: some of the choral arrangements are students or really
0: wow
1: from from the, the college that he was at so cheap labor though well yeah exactly they, <laughs> get, they get they get exposure don't they it's free yeah exposure so he finished his studies in 1973 um, and then that's when he teamed up with Mike Rutherford during a break from the Sell in England by the Pound tour. Uh and they recorded what was going to be a single released on Charisma, which was Silver Song, uh, which has Phil on vocals, which is one of the tracks that we're gonna be talking about today, although technically speaking it no, actually speaking,
0: wasn't on the original album. There are two tracks on the re releases uh that weren't mm-hmm. included on this original release. Uh Silver Song and Master of Time. Um mm-hmm. Ironically, <laughs> Master of Time was supposed to be on this album, but when they're recording it, they ran out of recording time.
2: Yes. So um,
0: that's irony for you. <laughs> it is. It is. Hey, actually, so while I remember, um, Deep Throat sent us something. During this period, BBC had actually sent a documentary crew to cover the, f- the making of this album. and uh, But it was never actually shown, and it was put in the cupboard, etc. But I think we've got a copy of it in all of our tapes. Let me me dig that out and see what we've got. Ah, ah, here it is. Oh, this says it's part one. This is a three-part thing. Ooh, well, let's listen to part one then.
3: It's August, 1973, and ex-Genesis guitarist, Anthony Phillips, is meeting with his old school friend and current Genesis bass player, Michael Rutherford, to begin work on an album together. The pair last met up in 1972, before Genesis released their breakout album, Foxtrot. and in the interim, Michael has been touring with the band. This has meant the burden of the songwriting has fallen to Anthony. How will Michael like the songs he's come up with?
4: Hi, And, What you up to?
2: You know full well I'm working on songs for our album. What are you doing here? Oh, you know,
4: just thought I'd drop in, see if you needed any help.
2: Why would I need any
4: help? You know... If things weren't flowing, stuff like that? No, it's going great. I've done loads of work. Really? Why don't you play me something and I'll tell you where you've gone wrong. If I can help. No, it's embarrassing. It'll be fine. It's just me, remember?
3: How long have we known each other? Aunt and Mike have known each other for about ten years. They were at school together at Charterhouse in Surrey. We talked to them about their long friendship. So, you guys have been together for a long time, eh? Well,
4: yes. We were always there together in the early days of Genesis. It was me and Aunt writing together, and Pete and Tony wrote together.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Back then we were just trying to write for
4: other people. Haha, <laughs> we were. So young and naive. I can't imagine not playing live these days. It's just the best feeling, isn't it, Aunt?
2: Well, well, no, actually. I mean, that's why I left the band. Oh, God, yes, I forgot.
4: You had terrible nerves. But I always supported you, though, didn't I?
2: Well, no. There was that one time I had really bad stage fright... And you said the audience were naked. No, no,
4: that was a misunderstanding. I didn't say the crowd were naked. I was trying to help you.
2: Trying to help? I was in the buff in front of a 100 Lindisfarne fans. Nick Drake was in the wings. He didn't know where to look.
4: Yes, well, Phil didn't help much either. Getting undressed too. But that was a misunderstanding. I was only trying to help.
2: A misunderstanding? I had to have therapy. It was the most embarrassing night of my life.
4: Therapy? Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Oh, yes. Before I had therapy, my head was full of thoughts. Now my head's completely empty. I
4: know, Aunt. I know. Utterly, utterly empty. But apart from the naked time, when have I ever let you down? Well... Exactly.
2: There was that time... As
4: I
3: said, never let you down. Back in the studio... The boys are discussing the work in progress. OK, so,
2: play me what you've got, then. (sighs) OK. I'm really pleased with it, actually.
4: good, Ant. Not as good as anything I could have written. But not bad.
2: Thanks. It's a... Hey! What do you mean, not as good as anything? Well,
4: I mean, I was always the stronger of the two of us when it came to writing songs.
2: Hmm. I don't think that's true.
4: Oh, whatever. Let's just get down to this. And a one. And a two. And a three.
3: Genesis keyboard player Anthony George Banks has just entered the room. The rest of the band are in the studio next door, laying down tracks for their next album.
4: What are you two doing here? And who's this guy talking to the microphone? Oh, it's just some guy doing a documentary on me.
2: Uh, on us?
4: Way to make it about you, and Yeah, on us and the album we're creating. Why isn't he doing a documentary on me? I'm the talented one in the band. Anyway, what are you two doing here?
2: Oh, uh, Tony, we're, uh, we're just, uh...
4: Tony, we're just writing an album. and here's got loads of great ideas. It's going to be
2: brilliant. What, the two of you? Who's going to sing? Well, 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 I thought it would be mostly instrumental. Instrumental? Who's going to buy that?
4: Next you'll be telling me it's a concept album based on a book you read.
2: No, no, no. That, that, that sounds like a terrible idea for an album. This this is just going to be good tunes. Now, Tony,
4: don't be mean. Ant's trying his best. Hey. He's even written a couple of lyrics. We're going to get Phil to sing them. Who? Phil. Phil Collins. Our drummer? You mean the little guy who sits at the back? With the sticks? What would he know about singing?
2: Uh, well, he sang that song for Absent Friends.
4: That's probably why they were Absent. And we've just recorded More Fool Me. Huh. More Foolers. Are they ones I wrote? No, Tony. I wrote More Fool with Phil. And Steve wrote Absent Friends with Phil. Oh, I don't pay attention to songs I didn't write. The ones I write are the best. Tony, uh, can we help you at all? Probably not. I'm a much better songwriter than anyone else in the band.
3: In fact, Steve Hackett is widely regarded as the best songwriter in Genesis.
4: I heard that. Listen, Tony, we're busy. Did you want something? What? Oh, yes. We need you in the studio, Mike, to lay down some bass lines. It is bass you play, isn't it?
3: Mike has been playing bass in the band since
4: 1967. Yes, Tony. I'll be there in a moment.
2: You go, Mike.
4: I'll carry on here. Are you sure? I think you need my help.
2: N- no, I don't.
4: I've heard what you've written. You really do.
2: No, I'm fine.
4: Okay. Let me know when it all goes ro- if you need me.
2: Did, did you like it?
3: Me? I'm just a voiceover. Please don't put me on the spot.
1: So that was 1973. Three, but I mean the album wasn't released until 1977 so it's got quite a long gestation period and Mike and Ant would meet up several times over the years and the next met up again in 74 uh, Steve Hackett had injured his hand during that period uh, of recording The the, the Down on Broadway he basically stress he'd smashed a wine glass in his hand and cut his hand up so he couldn't play guitar. Wow. They were forced to take a break from the tour. I think it was before the tour actually started, so I think they postponed the tour for a month or so. It
0: was. They did They did postpone the tour. Um, and yeah. that, as you say, gave um, Mike a chance to drop into the studio and see Anthony again and see what they exactly. were actually coming, see how the, the work was coming. The thing, yeah. the thing that really grabs me about this is, though, as you said, Anthony had the idea for this album in 69, Mm-hmm. worked on it for all these years, and it finally came out in 77. Yeah. That's a long time for an album to brew. I mean, yes. did it occur to him at any point that his original concept for this album was out of date by the time that they released it? Well, I mean, you've got to bear in mind as well, this came out in 77, right in the middle of punk. And disco.
1: <laughs> disco. Yeah. And this is, it. even for the time, it must have sounded dated.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Because, I mean, when you yeah. listen to this, when I when I sat down, and I will come into this when we actually listen to the album, the mm-hmm. second track, Which Way the Wind Blows,
5: mm-hmm.
0: um, that smacks of Foxtrot when you're listening to it. You start listening to it, you think, is this a Lost Genesis album I'm now listening to? Yeah. But that's, that's already like nine, seven years old at this point. So yeah. it's obvious, I think, at that point that this feels a little dated on its release. Yeah. Yeah. They recorded at various studios. When they came to do the final overlays, they went to the Argonaut. They did, yeah. That was um, Tom Newman's studio. Uh, Tom Newman, famous for recording tubular bells. Yeah, but, I mean, they had mondo trouble with this, didn't they? Because the, the studio was brand new at this point, and they yeah. had so many technical difficulties with the with the equipment. And mm-hmm. also, it didn't help that they kept having barges smash into the side of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can you imagine that? You're just in the middle of a nice nice guitar break, and all
0: of a sudden, thum, boom, you're knocked off your chair by a sudden barge banging into you. You're suddenly in an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> right. Rock from side to side. It's an unusual place to record on a barge. I mean they must yeah. have taken into account things like the lapping of the waves and stuff but there's no mm-hmm. there's no soundproofing in the world that can muffle the sound of a barge banging into the side of you <laughs> no and i mean it's it's a barge so it's fairly small
1: so they did have trouble with some timpani drums yeah they couldn't get those on board could but they could not physically fit on board they had to record them at a separate site well exactly and it, 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 i think it's the, the very definition of a labor of love Certainly for Anthony, probably not so much for Mike because he was busy with Genesis. But for Ant, it was a labour of love. It took him so long to make it. He must have been absolutely devastated when, in seventy six, he took it to Charisma and they decided not to release it. Why did they decide not to release it? They, they didn't like it. They were just not impressed with it. Just didn't like it. Didn't like the album. Thought didn't think it was it would sell. So they just they they declined to release it. Uh, And he shipped it around several other record labels as well, and none of them were interested. But it goes back to that thing where this is the middle of punk. Yeah. Why would you release this album right in this middle of punk or disco? Nobody surely is going to buy it. Did anybody buy it? Wasn't it eventually released on hit-and-run records? It was. In the end, um, because they couldn't find a UK distributor, Genesis manager Tony Smith, not to be confused with Tony Stratton Smith, two completely separate people. Two different Smiths. (laughs) Two different Tony Smiths. Um, too many Tonys in Genesis. <laughs> well, Tony Smith and Tony Stratton-Smith. So this is Tony Smith, who was Genesis's manager. He formed Hit and Run Records specifically to release this album wow. in the UK. That shows a lot of faith in it. Well, yeah. I mean, Hit and Run became Genesis's publishers as well. So in the end, it wasn't just for this album. But yeah, he he formed them, uh, and eventually they managed to get uh, a Vertigo Records distributed it in the rest of the world and Passport records distributed it in the usa but yeah
0: effectively this is an indie release because nobody was interested in it yeah i gotta say it's um it's odd timing considering you know what was going on don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong there were a lot of bands out there at the time that were still doing this sort of stuff yeah but for a new artiste as it were to Mm -hmm. debut at this time, when there's so much other stuff going on musically. And it's moving so fast at this point, musical styles. You can understand some people's reluctance to release what must have seemed like a blast from the past.
2: Yeah, but I mean, a lot of
1: those bands that were releasing music at this time were going down because punk was killing them off.
0: Yeah. It was really,
1: really hard for those people. Even disco
0: was coming to its end at this point. Yeah. I mean, Robert Fripp, we've talked about King Crimson
1: many we times. before. Robert Fripp had, had disbanded King Crimson because he saw that this was coming and he was involved in the punk scene. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, you know, even Robert Fripp, one of the pioneers of prog rock music, saw the writing on the wall, so to speak. So when even established artists aren't getting sales from this sort of music, why would you release something brand new by a, effectively a brand new artist? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I completely understand where the record companies are coming from. a Bit disappointed that Charisma didn't release it, as they've you know they got Genesis on their books and yeah, but had that was an established act. But again, exactly. by this point, I don't think Charisma
0: would have signed Genesis or Lindisfarne at this point. No, that was the wrong era. They, were, they mm-hmm. basically kept them on the books because they were an established act. They knew there was an audience out there. But Ant Phillips, unless you knew yeah. who he was, you didn't know. And 90% yeah. of the people probably would never know who he was. No, I mean, you know, Genesis fans looking at Trespass would go, oh,
1: Anthony Phillips, I recognise that name. But who else would know? There's no internet back then. You know, <laughs> you couldn't look people up. Yeah, and it's the um, same with advertising. I mean, advertising at that time, purely magazines. The NME and the Melody Maker and Sounds or whatever magazines were around at the time, they weren't covering prog, so there's no way they were gonna get Ant Phillips in those magazines and get him interviewed and get people interested in it. it just wasn't gonna happen. No,
0: which which kind of I assume explains its placing in the charts.
1: Yes. It hit those those heady heights. Of number one hundred ninety-one in the USA, which coincidentally is the exact same chart placing as the Brand
0: X album we listened to last week. That's uncanny. Just goes to show you only get me to listen to really good stuff.
1: <laughs> so um, it didn't. It didn't do anything anywhere else. No. so it was finally released in march 1977 so it's seven years it took to be released okay. uh, originally intended to be a joint album between mike and ant uh, but yeah. genesis commitments meant he he couldn't be involved as much as he wanted to be so i
0: don't want to talk at this point too much about what we think of the album
1: yes why not have you got part two of that documentary would this be a good place to do, do that yeah? i'll just have a route through the draw Ah, here it is. Cool, well let's listen to part two of that documentary first, before we start talking about the album.
3: It's October 1974, and Genesis are about to tour their album, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. However, a hand injury has taken out guitarist Stephen Aloysius Hackett, which means Michael has a break in his schedule. He's agreed to meet up with Anthony again to continue work on their album.
2: Okay, so... That bit there.
4: Uh, I'll add a twiddly bit in there and some coral here. Hi, Aunt. Sorry I've been so long. Writing that last Genesis album was a bit more harrowing than I expected.
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, I heard that Peter's daughter nearly died.
3: Lead singer of Genesis, Peter Gabriel, whose
2: wife gave birth during
3: the recording of The Lamb.
4: Oh, yes. That as well. I was talking about the accommodation. There were rats all over the place.
2: (laughs) Well, I hear hear you're never more than six feet away from a rat. What? Even in a helicopter? Mm, I I suppose.
3: In fact, that's an urban myth which has been proven false. Anthony would find this out later when writing music for an ITV documentary series.
4: Well, anyway, let's get back to it, shall we? I suppose you've not done much without me to help.
2: (laughs) Well, actually, Mike, I've got eight pieces all ready to go. One of them's about King Henry VIII. Henry VIII was a Tudor King of England, famous for having... Yes, thanks. I think everyone knows that. I'm never going to get done with all these interruptions. Don't be like that, Aunt. Come on, are you a
4: naysayer or a yaysayer? A
2: yaysayer? There's no such thing
4: as a yaysayer. Well, that's just what a naysayer would say. Be positive. Hi, guys. What's going on? Hi, Tony. Ant's just telling me about having eight pieces of music ready for our album. Uh,
2: Actually, Mike, about that... Eight pieces? Well, I'm surprised. Have you got any songs, Anthony? Yes, I have, Tony. I wrote one for Phil to sing. It's called Silver Song. Phil? Our drummer. Is that his name? Well, I never...
4: Silver Song, eh? What's it about? A magical land where a brave knight in silver armour must lead an army of the light to destroy his enemies? Or is it about the famous Ontario Silver Rush of 1903?
2: Uh, No, it's it's dedicated to John Silver. Who? Hmm? John Silver. He was our drummer after Chris Stewart left. He played on our first album. Oh, that guy who sat at the back with the sticks. Did he leave then? Yes,
4: that's why we have Phil now. Who? Our drummer. Oh,
2: why have you written a song for our ex-drummer? He's not dead, is he? Well, no. I just thought it was a nice thing to do. He's my friend. Writing a song about me would be a nice thing to do. You you haven't, have you? No. Oh.
4: Well, anyway, the reason I came down was because we need you, Mike. Myself, Pete and the drummer, Phil, as I said, are rehearsing for the tour. We want you to play the guitar for us all. I'll be there in a minute. I,
2: I could help you out. Uh, I know I'm not as good as Steve, but I, I could fill in.
4: <laughs> nice one, Anthony. That's the one thing I miss about you, your sense of humour. Don't be long now, Mike.
1: I wasn't joking.
4: I know, Aunt. I know
1: looking forward to hearing the conclusions of that documentary but we'll save that for now we'll listen to that in a bit um so the album that we're reviewing the version of the album that we're reviewing is the original version but we're also going to be listening to two bonus tracks that came from the 1990 and the 2008 remastered versions so the first track if you can call it that is called wind tales
0: Simon I was listening to this and I was trying to decide in the very short amount of time that this actually takes to play so it's like a minute whether all the instruments would be being played backwards or whether it was just some of the instruments that were being played backwards well I don't think it's all of them because there's some strings on there that aren't being played backwards yeah that's what Um, I mean you you can you can hear something and I was I I took a while but it's so short, this track yeah. You have to keep replaying it to go Were they all backwards? But it yeah. is kind of hard to tell The whole thing is less than a minute I mean, that's not an intro to an album No, I mean, it's barely even there Yeah <laughs> it just, it's, 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 it's there and then it's gone You don't even yeah. have a chance to make an opinion of this track. It's so no, I mean, fast. I, I can't understand why this is an introduction to the album. It's not an introduction, is it?
1: I don't understand why this wasn't just the first minute of the next track,
0: like the intro to the next track. Exactly. But as a standalone track, it's a, it's a nothing. Yeah. Um, it's not a track on its own. In fact, the clip you just played of it is probably the whole track. I
1: think I've probably just played the whole thing. It's easier.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, not a great start to the album. No, nah.
1: um, it's, it's an Lin.
0: interesting sound. Well,
1: um, it, it is an interesting sound, but, but it's an interesting sound that King Crimson did in 1969. Basically, reverse guitars is King Crimson, early 70s King Crimson. Yeah. So it's not even new
0: sounds There's it's, not enough of this to love or hate, is there? It's just no. yeah, it's, it's there. there yeah. That's it. So we go on to the next track. Yeah, that's "Which Way the Wind Blows."
1: Me of Star of Sirius from Steve Hackett's album Voyager the Acolyte. Um it sounds like that, it's got Phil singing it like that has. Um, and you mentioned this was the track that sounds like it's from Foxtrot. Yeah. Um, or Trespass, put, either of those. I trespass because obviously with the guitar sound that yeah. has, it, it I think
0: this would have fitted up fitted on trespass quite quite well. Yeah. Um, unusually though, and, and because you mentioned that Phil sings, hmm. uh, just as he starts to sing, I think the second chorus he sings, he turns into Kermit the Frog for no apparently <laughs> yeah, good does. reason. <clears throat> yeah, he does this really weird thing with his voice, and it sounds like <laughs> Kermit's breaking in.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. I thought that as well.
0: I thought, Phil? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You> all right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you're you right, Phil. <clears throat> What's going on there? Because there's no good reason why his voice does that on the track. <laughs> um, no, I mean. But it's, it's like. Uh, it's not easy being green. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: I suppose it's not... Put it in, in context of the time. Although this was released after Phil had already recorded two albums as the singer with Genesis, he was not yet the singer with Genesis when he recorded this track. No. So maybe it's just that little getting Trying his to voice it.
0: out a bit. Yeah. Maybe. Um, this track is very close to Genesis, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think this is
1: possibly the closest to Genesis.
0: Yeah, the album. The only thing, really. I, the only problem I had with this track because it's not a bad track, but it goes on about two minutes longer than it needs to. I think. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's nearly six minutes long. And it yeah, doesn't need it to. Just drags a bit. I think it's quite repetitive. It's not a bad track by any stretch mm. of the imagination. It's just that after a couple of minutes, you go, "We should end this now and move yeah. on." Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's got some really nice guitar work from it, but for me. Listening to it, it doesn't sound like it should be the first track on the album. If anything, it sounds like it should be the last track on the album.
0: I know what you mean. It's like well, we're used to Genesis and, you know, we use this with this comparator because Anthony was part of Genesis. Yeah. Genesis have always a bit had a big opening track. Yeah. You thought that would have rubbed off. On mm. him a little bit here, and this is not a big opening track. It's not yeah, it's... a welcome to my album. This is his yeah. first album. This is this is something he's worked on for years. You think it will be a big rousing opener? I know that that's out of context because this is, isn't a big rousing album. Yeah, but you think it would be a high point of the album? Yeah, and it's not. It's it's a low key introduction. It's not awful, but it's it's okay. It's too long for what it is. Yeah. I mean, I know we've been listening to Genesis for it seems like forever now. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've had this conversation before. What's what? How long is too long when you're talking about Genesis when we consider some of the length of their tracks? Mm. But this is definitely too long. It is too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By about two minutes, I think. It's yeah. nice. You can listen to it. But you really wish it had stopped two minutes previously. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that leads us into the next track. Talking of long tracks, the next track is Henry Portraits of Tudor Times, and that is 12 Minutes Long.
0: Actually, broken down into six segments, isn't it? All right,
1: well, let's talk about the segments individually then. So, the first segment is called Fanfare. Again, it pretty much does what it it says on the tin it's a fanfare.
0: I disagree. I don't think it is a fanfare. It's a nice piece of music, but a fanfare to me is. You know, something that announces something—that's the yeah. point of a fanfare, an announcement. This, mm. this is too low key to be an announcement. Yeah, I mean, and again, it doesn't work. It wouldn't work as a track on its own, right?
1: Which no. makes me wonder why the first track, "Wind," was a separate track. Yeah, I don't understand. You know, he's put these six. Little pieces together, which musically these all fit together. I think. Oh yeah, they are all part of the In same track. Essentially, they flow into the same,
0: you know, different thing. But again, it's it's a little bit of noodling. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a non-event of a track because it doesn't even. <laughs> it's not long enough to go anywhere or to present. It hasn't got time to present itself as a track. It's yeah. there and then it's gone, and yeah. you know, there's not much to make your mind up on. Yeah, I mean, and that that's even more the case for the
1: second part, which is called Luke's chorus. Um, which really, it's got some nice flute work by John Hackett and that's about it.
0: I put down nice flute, but it's like just another short piece. You can't even get into it. It's so short. But then
1: by the time you start to enjoy it, it's gone again.
0: um, (sighs) Anyway, and that leads us, of
1: course, to the next part is called Misty Battlements. I like this one actually. This bit—it's got some really nice, um, beautiful acoustic guitar work, which reminded me a lot of Steve Hackett. Um, I think this is quite beautifully played. This this little bit—it's nice it, little bit. Of it is
0: actually a nice piece. Again, though, I'm not feeling it with this. Mm. It, it's it's not great, but this is yeah. this is quite it's nicely done. Um, and it's a beautiful piece of guitaring, just not a great piece of music. If you know what yeah, I mean. It's not an interesting piece of music, either, I don't think. It it not by do, any stretch of the imagination.
3: I mean, no. It
1: doesn't really do anything. Spoiler for the whole track, I think none of these parts here are long enough to be great. Next piece is Henry Goes to War. <laughs>
0: the longer part of this it
1: is nearly four minutes it's a real change of pace though isn't it it's it comes it's quite
0: jarring i thought i will just preface uh, my opinion of this by saying mm. how annoying this track was <laughs> yeah and i say that because it's got a frumpty 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 bit yes and it goes really really quiet yes moving towards the micro speaker going what What's that music? And then it goes loud again. And actually, I nearly crashed the car when I was listening to this because I'd lean forward to go, what is that going on in the background? And then it belts out this tune and I nearly swerved the car off the road. It's really oh annoying. Yeah, because it's suddenly really, really loud. It's, well, it's, Yeah, and it does that twice. But the second yes. time, it sort of slowly builds up again so you're not, you don't get this sudden hit of noise.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I thought I thought this was really crying out for a decent electric guitar solo from Ant. Something like The Knife, some really heavy guitar work That's, on this. That, you're not going to get this on any parts of this album. No, it just didn't but this but this bit in particular, I was waiting, I was like, come on, where's this guitar solo? You need your guitar solo, it's not you know, this repetitive strumming's going on and on and on. Where's the guitar solo? That's exactly then, the point.
0: A lot of this is repetitive. Yeah. It's a very repetitive although they change, you know, like um uh tempo and stuff, it is very repetitive. It's yeah. just the same thing played at a different sort of level. Exactly. However, I think what you're taking wrongly about this album is i don't think this is a rock album there's nothing on this album so far that has been rock or rock orientated there's been none of the usual um guitar solos that we're used to there's Mm -hmm. been no big piano pieces so far there's been no what you would think of as prog rock going on here it's quite a musical album Mm -hmm. but there's none of the usual stuff you'd expect from a prog rock album you know none of the yes. big pieces none of the sounding boards of guitar solos drum solos bass solos singing yeah. uh vocal extravaganzas that mm-hmm. you know you a lot of rock songs use as a linchpin to hold that track together there's none of that on this album so far it's very pastoral it is it is it? It's- so the ne- next part is death of a night
1: Quite slow, and then just as you think, "Oh, this is going to be just as dull as the rest of it," it picks up and turns into something else. And I think this is another piece of music that could have been from Trespass. This little segment sounds like something from uh, Stagnation or Dusk. I agree. Trespass. This is actually quite
0: a nice piece. Hmm. It just it it stands quite apart from the rest of this track Yeah in that it's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. But th- yeah. this is quite a nice piece. It's it's interesting to listen to. Unlike a lot of the stuff we've heard so far on this album, you can. Oh, I'm trying not to be dismissive of the early stuff because that it shouldn't be dismissed. It's not a bad album. They aren't yeah. bad tracks. They're just not great tracks. Yeah. But, you know, this is the first album for this guy, and this track I think is where you should cut him a bit of slack. It's not bad at all.
1: No, it's quite a, quite. A, this is out of this little segments of this Henry Portrait of Tudor Times. I think this is the best bit. Part six, the next bit, Triumphant Return... So triumphant return is the last part of Henry and Ant really showing off his compositional skills um, because whilst I don't particularly enjoy this piece of music, he's obviously done a lot of work in the, the composition and, you know, got that choral arrangement on it and the way it's all put together is really impressive for saying he's done it himself pretty much. Um, I, ag-
0: I agree. In fact... I have got the f- the two notes that I wrote about this track. Hmm. The first one says it's not very joyful for a triumphant return. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. there's no joy in this track. It's, it's yeah. pretty joyless. However, and this is where I agree with something you just said, kind of, because mm. I'll never agree with you fully on anything, <laughs> as you know. Um, this does sound like it should be part of a church service. Yes. It's got that feel to it you know like it's the kind of music you have in the background of the church while the vicar is you know bringing his thoughts together for the next sermon so um it it had that feel to me but at no point did I feel like this was a triumphant return it's an interesting idea I think one of the impressions I get about the whole
1: album is that it sounds like a demo of an album
0: Uh, yes exactly this it feels like uh, this is the this is the basics that I'm putting down, but the, the yeah. whole thing will be much bigger when I come to do yeah. it. I mean, yeah, that whole I agree arrangement with that. in
1: particular on this needs to sound bigger. Yeah. And it's an impressive achievement that he's managed to
0: do it on a canal boat, but... I'm not being funny here, right? But you know what this, this needed for a triumphant return? Yeah. Rick Wakeman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that Wakeman. would have made this triumphant. And I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying he can't play the, the keyboards or anything, but you know when when Rick Wakeman did this sort of thing on yes and you got these yeah. huge you know when they went to like Switzerland to get these specific church organs. Yeah, when awaken. Yeah, that's what this needed. It needed wakemanizing. And I've yes. just made that term and I'm keeping it. That's my term. Wakemanizing, wakemanizing. <laughs> That's
1: a good a good point, because you take something like awaken. From going for the one. That's the one I was thinking. It's
0: a huge sound. And but that's, that's what, you, what this track needed. That's what you want from a triumphant return. Yes, exactly. But then this whole piece didn't have it didn't have the grandeur that the the titles were suggesting.
1: Yeah. I mean the thing is with this, I think it's an interesting set of tracks. And this is a kind of a foreshadow for Ant's career because one of the reasons I don't want to do all of Ant's solo albums uh, as part of this series. Is because there are about thirty-five of them, and about about twenty-five of them are library music because that's how he makes his living. He writes library music, so music for for documentaries and you know TV documentaries. So if you've seen a, a Channel Four nature documentary, it's entirely possible that the music that was used in that was written by Anthony Phillips because he makes that's how he makes his living. He doesn't make his living writing songs anymore. He does that as a hobby. Okay. So a lot of this sounds like library music. Yeah. This is almost like he's written a soundtrack for a, a 1970s documentary about Henry VIII. I'd want something a little more bombastic if it was. I was writing about a king. Think of it, A, as in terms of it's a demo, and B, it's a demo of music for a TV documentary about Henry VIII. Suddenly, this makes sense.
0: This, this is what it sounds like. There's nothing on this track. It's not a great track. I mean, no. it goes on for a while. It's not especially long of what? In total, 10 minutes, 10, 12, 12 minutes? 12 minutes. Yeah. But it's just not interesting. No, no, I agree. And it doesn't hold together. You know, when you hear it as a whole thing, mm-hmm. I don't think it holds together as one piece. Let's move on. Let's move on. Enough of that. God, if I saw her now. Christ,
1: yeah.
6: your time.
1: That Anthony wrote during the first few weeks after he left Genesis. And I think it really shows you could extrapolate how Genesis might have sounded if Anthony had stayed in the band. I think it would have sounded a lot more like this than what it did sound like. Well, I've got uh,
0: two notes for this track. Yeah, is one of them awful? Actually, what I've written, don't <laughs> preempt me, Simon. What I have written is uh, fairly average vocals from uh, Phil Collins and Vivian McAuliffe Mm -hmm. and also whole new levels of dull.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yeah. (laughs) This is dull. He's a big fan of these slow-tempo acoustic
0: numbers, isn't he, Aunt Phillips? But there's nothing in this track. It doesn't build to anything. It doesn't have an interesting musical piece. It doesn't have an interesting rhythmic choral effect that comes in that yeah. goes and comes and goes so that you can hang into this track. It yeah. just bombards you with dullness. I mean Phil does not really
1: he's not really pushing himself on vocals. It's all right, but not as yeah. good as he will be. Oh no, and no, no I've never heard of Vivian McAuliffe before. Apparently she's worked with Patrick Moraz who is in
0: yes Oh she's done bit. she's done quite a lot of vocal work on various but, albums, yes. But I
1: mean to me she just sounds like a cut price Sandy Denny.
0: Yeah, um, but she was one of those. She was one of those artists who, if you needed a female vocalist on your album, mm-hmm. she was like, "Oh, we'll go to Vivian then." So yeah. she actually appears on a lot of different albums. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's almost it is
1: almost like they they want somebody like Sandy Denny. Yeah, but she's either not available, out of their price range, or dead. So they've called this woman instead because she's a bit like her and just
0: dull. It's yeah. Same. I'm sorry. For me, I, I, I couldn't listen to this track all the way through, even though I did once. <laughs> it was just too dull. And, and I'm sorry, Anthony, if you're listening. Hi. Um, but no, not this one for me. Sorry. Okay, let's move on to the next one then. This is the next track, Chinese Mushroom Cloud. This is another short piece isn't it It is it's, it's it's
1: nice and menacing I think it's it's it would be excellent as part of something else
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, you took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> This when I, when this started I thought oh this sounds like interesting this is yeah. going to be an interesting oh it's finished Yeah it sounds like it's going to be ooh. an intro to an interestingly powerful track which yeah, is something then, currently ooh. missing off this album
5: Yeah and then you um, just away
0: just ends and yeah. then, that's it. Done. Next. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean done? It's like yeah, a minute. A lot
1: of Anthony Phillips albums. So he's got a, like, like we already
0: mentioned, he's got thirty-five
1: albums, and a lot of those are library music. But a lot of them all are, are also collections of little bits like this. Mm. So you know, he's got a couple of albums where it's a double CD, and there are seventy tracks on them. Or something, which, as you which said, shows. is a great foreshadowing of what he's going to eventually do. Exactly. So he he doesn't ever waste anything he's re- literally released everything he's ever committed to tape either as part of his library music or on these private parts and pieces albums which just include every ev- literally everything so you know there's nothing rare <laughs> from anthony phillips it's all been released
0: somewhere yeah the thing is when you're when you're releasing an album to a uh... A bunch of ravening fans. You have a certain obligation to make sure that the tracks are listenable and the tracks conform to the established idea of what yeah. should be on an album. Yeah, this doesn't. This entire album so far, we've we've had some very short and pointless tracks. I use pointless quite harshly, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. They they don't go anywhere enough to make a point. Yeah, I mean to be fair, his private parts
1: and pieces albums are advertised as. These are just little bits. These are bits of demos. These are bits of tracks. They're not advertised as, here's a brand new album by Anthony Phillips. It's. I recorded this in 1979. I'm putting it down here now to see what you think about it. I never used it for anything else. But this is, you know, like I say, I really like this piece of music. I think it's really, really good. Just a
0: shame when it ends. Yeah, it should be part of something else. It's not even an intro to the next track.
1: No, it's not. We talk three times longer than that actual track.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the next track, the title track, the... uh... The geese and the goats. Interestingly, do you know where the title of this album comes from? No, I don't. Ah, well, during my research, which yes. basically meant Googling, the title actually comes from two sound patches that hmm. Anthony Phillips recorded on an ARP Pro soloist synthesizer. Um, and he recorded these two sound patches that he was going to drop into this track. And one had an echo effect that he thought sounded a bit like geese. Listen to this track. I haven't mm-hmm. heard that. But mm-hmm. it assures me that's on there, and there yep. was another piece that was a bit more ethereal, and it reminded him of a ghost. Yeah. So that's where the title for this came from for the from these two sound patches that he had ready to drop in. So one's like, bang, 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 and yeah. the other one was, Ooh. don't. Don't think they're actually like that. I think they're more subtle than a honk, honk, honk and a ooh. Maybe that's how it started, and he's just added more and more things to it. (laughs) I'll just bury those in the background. Maybe <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, that's where the title comes from. Apparently, well, that's that's a very interesting story. <laughs> we know facts, so we do,
1: we do. But don't you think that at this point in the album, everything is just starting to sound a little bit
0: samey? I didn't want to come onto this until we reviewed it at the end, hmm. but to be honest, I was ready to turn this album off at this point. <laughs> it's yeah. it's just there's nothing that's grabbed me so far. Yeah. I have to say, I, I was listening to it as as you know, I listened to it in the car going to work because I'm a working kind of guy, I am. I go to work and everything. Nine, two, five, Indeed. So I tend to listen to it a lot in the car. I listen to it at yeah. home as well. But because I have a drive to work, it gives me that chance to listen to these albums several times. And I listen to this in the car. Oh, God, I was bored. Um, mm. Because it, it, there's nothing really grabs you. Nothing yeah. here is bad. I will stress that. There's nothing here that's awful. And some of them are really good. Some really nice musical passages. Yes. yeah. But if you're looking for something to sit down, listen to and really, really grab you, Mm. this is not the album for you. Yeah, It just doesn't go anywhere. This track doesn't go anywhere. This is the the longest track so far on the album, Uh, 8 minutes 13. And it's a nice enough piece. Yeah, I mean, it's very pleasant. Uh, But again, it sounds like the demo
1: that he's taken into the band and said, here's a demo of a track I've been working on. What do you think? And then. They sit down and go, oh, well, yeah, that's good. We can work on this and we can add this to it. Yeah. And over time, it becomes something else. But
0: this, yeah, I mean. It's a nice enough piece, but it is yeah. essentially dull. There yeah, are a couple I mean, of places in here where it builds up and you think, ah, yeah. it's going to kick into gear now. Yes. Then it drops off again. Yeah. And then it builds up again. You think, here we go, big drum and guitar yeah. piece. And it dies off again. Yeah, and those drums come in towards the end and it yeah. you know, just whoa, where did they come from? There were no drums a second ago. But the problem is, by the time it does start doing anything, you're already bored. Yeah. It's it's kind of just dull. I'm sorry, Anthony, but there's nothing here rousing or Hmm. interesting to carry you through eight minutes, 13 seconds. Whereas, I think, when you get into part two...
1: get to part two i think that's much more like it i think there's that's more This is much li- from
0: the album yeah this is a much livelier piece it's yeah. instantly starts off livelier i'm not going to say this is better because <laughs> no. I, I don't think the whole thing is any better <laughs> i think we've gone past the point of expecting a really interesting piece on this album yeah this is livelier but not necessarily more interesting, I
1: think. Well, I mean, I think this is the most interesting piece on the album. It is too long, uh, too repetitive. Seven minutes, 35 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this could have been turned into a decent prog song. I think he could have added lyrics to this. Um, he could have changed it a little bit, but kept the basic format, added lyrics to it, made it into an actual prog song. And I think if he'd have done that, it might even have been a bit of a classic, because there's loads of interesting
0: ideas in this this piece of music. There is a lot of interesting ideas. They're not carried through very well. Yeah, it's just all over the place. Yeah, that There's is no the problem. It, it needed, you? as you say, maybe a lyrical track to bind yeah. this together. And yeah. it needed, I know we keep coming back to this, I know we've said it, and I know it's harsh, yeah. but this is an album that needed more work. They had seven years with this. And <laughs> exactly. it still needed more work. Yeah. If I'd been it's... making this album, I'd probably be releasing it about now, having started it in 69. <laughs> because it's not a bad album. It's not Anthony Phillips' fault that mm-hmm. it's a bad album. It's perhaps best described as mistimed, mm-hmm. but it's I don't know whether it because it took so long. To produce mm. this, that he never really developed a whole concept of this album.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because it
0: feels everything is so disparate. Everything mm. is so different from itself. There's yeah. nothing that binds this album together. Yeah, I mean, I think and I know we're t- coming on to our thoughts of this album much too soon here because yeah. we've got a few tracks left yet. We have, yeah, but four. The other, the other point that I did put on about the other, because I wrote um, two. Real notes about this. One hmm. was starts a bit livelier, yeah. and the second track, the second point that I wrote down was irritating and dull. Oh, good. Your you're two I, go your your go tos. They are my go tos <laughs> on this album. It was it was interesting when it started, but because it was repetitive, I, yeah. I started getting a little irritated with this track. I must admit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, I this most interesting piece on the actual album. It needs to be half the length at least. Add some lyrics to it It probably Mm -hmm. would have been a classic But as it is It's good in terms of the album But not good in terms of it being a great track And
0: that brings us on to the next track Collections point are you gonna say it's dull and tedious no i really like this track did you wow I, I don't know i mean it's sung by anthony phillips yeah that guy's got a really good voice he is he's quite good he reminds me of um
1: al stewart uh, who who isn't massively famous but he had a big hit single in the 70s with year of the cat um and both anthony phillips and tony banks
0: sound very reminiscent of al stewart yeah. Now, um, this, this track, weirdly, I don't mm-hmm. know why. It, I mean, it's got a great piano piece yeah. starting it and yeah. all the way through it. Very well done, but this really, for some reason, reminds me of a
1: lost Beatles track. That's so weird because I've written in my notes. I've written it sounds
0: almost Beatlesque. Yeah, it does. And so it I, does. I, this is. I think this is my favorite track on the album. I really, really like this. I love the way it's sung. Yeah. I love the way it's played. Don't get me wrong. It's not a great track. Yeah. Um. But it has the promise of a really great track, hmm. and it is my favorite track on this album.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's all right. I like it. I think this goes back to the last track where I said that could have been a classic if it was shorter and had lyrics. This is shorter and it has lyrics. Mm. And I think that just proves the point that if Ant sticks to writing songs, yeah. he's actually quite good at it.
0: Yeah, because this is a. I really liked this. I loved from the opening uh, piano piece, mm. I loved the sound of this track. I yeah. thought it was sweet, mm-hmm. very Beatlesque, as you've, you've quite rightly said. Um, but it's. It, just i don't know if it's because it reminds me of the beatles not that i'm a big beatles fan but you know mm-hmm. the, we are of that age and i yeah. am even of an age more <laughs> the beatles have a certain calling to you you may not like the beatles but you were of the time when the beatles were everywhere so mm-hmm. something that reminds you of the beatles it's like kind of like comfort food yeah so this has that effect on you this uh-huh. the sound of it connects with that comfort food side of you yeah so that you you're automatically disposed to liking this track i think yeah if you are of a certain age i agree i mean and again this this is another one that you
1: wrote just after leaving genesis so this is another way we could say oh maybe genesis
0: would have sounded a bit more like this Mm. if he'd stayed with the band but I think this is reminiscent of what they were trying to do originally By mm. writing tracks for different artists yeah. You could see that they would have written this for the Beatles Or somebody like yeah. that Yeah. Um, because this sticks out like a sore thumb on this album Because it's <laughs> nothing like anything else on this album yeah. But the thing that blows my mind about this track is Anthony's got such a great voice yeah. Why hasn't he used it until now? Yeah. Because yeah. this is really well sung And he's got a great singing voice. Yeah. So why is he hidden it under a bushel until this very moment?
1: Well, no, I agree. I like this track. I think it's good. Um, I don't know if it's my favourite on the album. I'm going to put it down as my favourite. I'd probably go with The Geese and the Ghost Part 2. Okay. And that leads us on to... The final track on the actual album, which is Sleepfall, The Geese Fly West.
0: Okay, my notes for this read, yep. nice piano, mm-hmm. nice piece, but a bit repetitive. Yes. And final note, didn't make me want to listen to this album again. You know how no. we discussed this in the past? Yeah. The last track should make you want to just put turn the record over and put the needle back on the first track again and belt yeah. it out again. Yeah. This doesn't. track doesn't yeah. do that. No, it doesn't. You don't think, it. you know, that was a really good album. I'm going to listen to it again. You just yeah. go, thank God that's over. Yeah, that was, kinda, that was what went through my head. I mean, I agree. I think it's pleasant.
1: It sound This does sound like it's from, uh, a, like a BBC travel documentary or something.
0: Yes, I, rather yes. than it's from I an agree, album. I agree with that. Yeah, um, again, foreshadowing what he will do in the future. Exactly, and there's some really nice Tony
1: Banks-ish piano flourishes on this, but as a whole, it's all right. I mean.
0: It's four and a half minutes long. Doesn't really need to be four and a half minutes long. No, no. Because there's nothing exciting happening here. As they say in the old police cop films, nothing to see here. So anyway, that was the last track on the actual album as released. Before
1: we go into those two bonus tracks, now we've finished the main album, I want to know a bit more about this documentary. I need to hear the, the end of the documentary. You said it was three
0: parts. Can we have part three? Have you got it there? I have indeed. I shall put it into the tape machine now. Excellent. It's July
3: 1975 and Anthony has begun recording the album at Tom Newman's canal boat studio, The Argonaut, in Little Venice, London. Anthony has written most of the album whilst Michael has been touring with Genesis. All that remains is to lay down the final overdubs and mix the record.
4: Hey, and I'm back. I've just finished helping Steve with his album, so I thought I'd better pop down and see how ours is coming along. Well... I've been thinking. Should we put it out under our
2: names or have a group name? I thought perhaps Mike and the Phillips. What do you think? Listen, Mike. I don't think I want your name on the album, actually. Oh. So you think Mikey Rutherford and his pal Aunt Phillips, then? No, Mike. Look... You've been off gallivanting around the world of Genesis while I've been stuck at home working hard to get this album written. This is my album, Mike. Mine. And I'll be releasing it under my name. But! No, Mike. But me no buts. I'll give you a co-writing credit where it's due. But other than that, you aren't to be involved anymore. Not at all. Can I at least work on it at the weekend? No. Anyway, this is my last recording session, Mike. After John, Jonathan
3: Abercrombie Hackett, Stephen's brother, has played flute on the album sessions.
2: Is that guy still here?
3: Yes, I am.
2: Would you like a cup of tea? Oh, ta. Have you two finished?
3: Uh yes. Sorry. Carry on.
2: As I was saying, after John has laid down his flute parts, the master tape to being winged away to be mixed, and then sent to Charisma, they're really keen to release it, actually. Oh, mm. Boy, and... I had a spare 10 minutes between recording Steve's album, sessions for Brian Eno, Finn Lizzie and John Cale, and then going to an audition for a new band called Brand X. I wondered if you needed some help with writing your album while I've got time. I
4: thought that too.
2: No thanks, Phil. It's all done. Really? Yes. (laughs) What a flippin' hell was that?
4: Oh God, where's my life jacket?
2: I can't see. It's another canal boat. It's slammed into us. I think it... it yes, it is. It's being piloted by Tony. Oi there! fill the night with you? Yes, Tony. What, what the bloody hell do you think you're doing? It's vitally important. when they come back to the
4: studio. We have a new album to record, and they have written loads of great songs. I was going to make a solo album with them, but I'm not
2: selfish like you. Well, that doesn't sound like Tony. I didn't know you could drive a boat. We can't. Didn't you hear that crash?
4: Oh. Anyway, we can't go. Ant needs us to help finish his album. I'll send them right to you. No, Ant. We need our help.
2: They'll be right there, but they'll be there in a jiffy. Listen, you'd better go. I'd just love it if you could stop and help, but I've never seen him looking so intense. I think he's got the songwriting lust up high. Well, if you're sure... I am. Trust me, I am, Mike. It's been great, it really has. It's... it's not you, it's, it's me. Well, okay. Friends? Forever. Now, get out. At last, I can finish this in peace. I can tell this is going to be a great album. It'll head to the top of the charts and I'll show them.
3: No, it won't.
2: Are you still here?
3: I've got nowhere else to go.
2: Do, do you do you fancy a pint? Yes, please. So Tony was piloting some
1: of those boats that crashed into the studio then.
0: So it would appear. I don't think he right. did it deliberately, but you know, hey. Um, not for so sure. There you yeah. Go. But yeah, interesting. Anyway,
1: into these bonus tracks. First of all... The bonus track from the 1990 reissue of the album, which is called Master of Time. The master cries,
7: far away, she knows that other will be, and she nestles down, something still she tries. come to lay me down
1: As you pointed out earlier on, this wasn't completed for the album due
0: to running out of time. Hence, why it's um, down as just a demo. Exactly. Did they ever actually finish this track to no. their liking, or was that as far no, as they got? It didn't, that was as far as they got. However, mm-hmm.
1: my new favourite prog band, Big Big Train, they re- recorded a cover of this for their 2010 EP, Fast Skies Deep Time. And it really, really rocks. It's a really great song once it's actually recorded.
6: Hush, the
1: march
6: dog cries Far away she knows That her love will be And she nestles down Sobbing still she dries her eyes right. Knowing that the world Will cry the rest out Where did beauty go To lay me down i will take your memory too they'll know that in-
0: It on the the album, the this particular version of it, yeah, it, it is a work in progress. Yeah, it's got that feel to it, hasn't it? It it, yeah. it doesn't. It's got some nice pieces in it. It is mm-hmm. what eight and something minutes long. Yeah, um, it babbles on quite a lot. It goes up. Yeah. It goes all over the place. It yeah. doesn't actually hang together very well as one track, though. I don't. Mm. think
1: I mean, I really like this. I think it's really good, and I think it's a damn shame he didn't finish it for the album. I think uh, as a song. I think I disagree. I think it does work really well. It works. It's got those different movements that a prog song would have. Um, It starts off quite slow and then speeds up a bit and then goes into another thing. And I think think you need to listen to that Big Big Train version to get an idea of how it probably would have sounded.
0: So you're saying I have to listen to somebody else's version that did it better (laughs) to make me understand and appreciate this version?
1: Yes, I do. That's what I'm saying. Right.
0: Okay, do you mind if I don't and just listen to the Big, Big Train version? Yeah, do that anyway, because it's great. That that whole EP by Big, Big Train. I just just think that this track, as it stands, Mm. and you're quite right, it does have some interesting pieces, but it just doesn't tangibly hold together as one track. You know how we listen to some long tracks, and they've got the up and downs and the loud and the slow, but they're all held together by certain refrains or yeah. a certain theme, don't yeah. think this has that. Well, let's be honest, this is well, ten times better than
1: anything that actually made it onto the album.
0: Well, I have to agree with you. Um, it's <laughs> certainly the most interesting piece, mm-hmm. um, which is something that's sadly lacking on this album. Yeah. Interesting does not come into describing most of the tracks on this album. Yeah,
5: no, it doesn't. There's,
0: I mean, coming at this purely from a prog rock point of view... Mm-hmm. which we are doing, because that's basically how we're we're quantifying these albums, isn't it? We're looking mm-hmm. at them as prog rock albums. Yeah. This is not a prog rock album as it stands. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have all, as we've said, all the themes and all the hit points you'd expect from a prog rock album. This is the only track so far that has any prog to this rock. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame it wasn't included, because yeah, it's, it's probably, the it is, as you said, the most prog rock thing on here. And it yeah. wasn't on here. And it would have changed the
1: whole feel of the album, I think, if they'd have finished this and put this on. Because then you wouldn't have been able to have the, the
0: sort of semi-demo versions of other things. No. But then again, if they had put this on, this album originally released it, it would have really been so different from the rest of the album. Hmm. I mean... Yeah, exactly. What is it, eight minutes long? Plus... Yeah. You'd have had to have probably taken the Henry suite off. That would not have been a great loss. Well,
1: they could have taken God If I Saw Her Now off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would do that. And a couple of the others on A-side as well. And probably the last track, Sleepful, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of tracks they could have taken off. but Yeah, and then you probably would have ended up with a prog rock album. Yeah. What we've got at the moment... Yeah, yeah not so much yeah but yeah I I agree this track if they had been allowed to continue working on it if they mm-hmm. had been allowed to finalize it would probably have been the best track on the album yeah by okay. quite a long way yeah. but and I go back to what I said a second ago it would have stuck out like a sore film yes
1: it would anyway on the second bonus track which was originally going to be released as a single in 1973. And this is Silver Song.
6: Dear friend, when you're gone There'll always be this song To remind you Of where you once belonged Though far Your face will bless the day each tree, each stream, each flower, all they leave the same yeah. The sun will shine.
1: Like that, I think really? it's a great shame they didn't release that as a single.
0: I thought it was rather twee. But again, it's, yeah. it's, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb on this album. was nothing been, like yeah. anything else on this album.
1: If these two tracks had been put onto this album, it would have had to have been radically changed. They would, he wouldn't have been able to do the album
0: and just stick these two tracks in. No. Because the whole album would have changed the dynamic. Yeah, you'd have to write rewrite the entire album to fit yeah. these tracks in, because they yeah. are so different to the rest of the tracks on here. Yeah. They, it would have felt horrible putting these on. Makes me wonder why, when Ant and Mike can write
1: songs that are as good as this, because this is pretty memorable for me. I've listened to this a few times. Why do you waste all the time with that mid-tempo instrumental noodling that, actually made up the album they can write songs i mean whether you like this song or not this is a song most of the things on the album aren't songs (laughs) no no they're just musical interludes yeah so why did they waste all that time and you know and the fact that they didn't finish master of time because they were playing around with i don't know henry portraits of tudor times i don't understand it it doesn't make any sense to me why they had a great song Concentrate
0: on your great songs first. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's hard to know what they were thinking mm. when they were putting this album together. I know, I know, there was there was a, the dynamic of of Mike with Genesis meant that he yeah. didn't have much input on this album. Yeah. Um, and it, this is basically Anthony's album, and this yeah. is what this is his thoughts, what's going through. Mm-hmm. We know that Silver Song was written about their ex drummer. Ironically, they get Phil to sing about the ex
1: Genesis drummer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's like having your your new girlfriend write a happy <laughs> yeah. birthday card to your old girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, that's that's just rubbing your face in it. But yeah. um it's so different though. Yeah. This could never have been included on this album. But that said, did you like the track? Not overly, I'd say yeah. I found it a bit twee yeah. and a bit forced. So you no, know, it was okay. Yeah. For, even if they'd use this as a final track, it would not have made me want to start the album again. Here's the thing, right? When I think of prog rock, mm-hmm. the first word that pops into my head is grandeur. Yeah. Quite a lot of tracks from these bands have an element of grandeur, whether it's because of the theme of the track or the way the music is used or the way certain instruments are used. Yeah. There is an element of grandeur in great prog rock. This isn't prog rock. Yeah. <laughs> It's no, it's, no. it's a it's a ditty, it's a ditty to a friend, and that's great. But it feels at the same time a little too personal and twee to yeah. be shared with everybody else. I mean, I think it's a good track, and I really like it. But I agree,
1: it's not prog rock. No, I don't think it's prog rock. I mean, um, it doesn't fit on this album even vaguely. No, it wouldn't at all. It wouldn't have fitted on. But again, this yeah. is ten times better than anything that was actually on the album. I'm not going to argue with that because I agree with you. <laughs> utterly, yeah, so utterly agree with you. It's just right. Let's let's go in. Let's let's go all in now.
0: Yes, let's do the overview of the album. So, Simon, what did you think of this album?
1: It's all right, sweet, short, <laughs> sure, to a yeah. point. Uh, um, uh, yeah, to be to be honest, I don't really like this album that much. Um, I was bored of it. Is literally apart from Master of Time and Silver Song, there is literally nothing on here that I'd bother listening to again.
0: Yeah, um, collections I liked, mm-hmm. but not enough to listen to this album again. Yeah. yeah. When we said we were doing this, and you said listen to this album. Usually, as you know, we, we both listen to these albums five, six, seven times mm-hmm. more if we have the chance to get, you know, our, our, our thoughts together on these. Yeah. I listened to this album once and I was bo- so bored of it. I never listened to it again. I, 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 I had well, to listen to it again this morning just to get some things down on paper. Um but, man, it's so dull. Mm. There's just nothing here that grabs you. And there's certainly nothing that will ever make you want to listen to this again. Mm. And I personally have no intention of listening to this again.
1: Yeah, it's it's like the Brand X album we listened to last week. It's background music. You put it on well, in the background while you're doing yourselves? I listened to this this morning while I was um, making lunch, basically. It was on in the background. wasn't really listening to it, but it was there in the background. It, it just it washes over you like there's
0: it's nothing it, it's, yeah <laughs> there's there's so little here to to grab you and carry you on the journey that the music's taking yeah um you just as you say it just washes over you and to be fair halfway through this especially the henry suite as we're yeah. calling it i just got so bored through it <laughs> i was going please end yeah I don't know whether I was referring to ending the track or my life. I'm not sure (laughs) at that point. Either way, just so long as it stopped. I think
1: if Ant had stayed with Genesis, the band would probably have sounded
0: more like this.
1: But in that case, I think Peter Gabriel would have left a lot sooner than he did. And the band wouldn't have been as successful as they were.
0: No, I think the fans would have left a lot sooner than Peter Gabriel. I I don't think they would have built up a fan base. I just no, don't think they'd have built it up. Definitely not. But it's so hard to tell though, isn't it? Because yeah. the thing about Genesis is they work as a group. So the thing is Ant would have brought these ideas to the group and they oh. would have incorporated them in other tracks that we would have probably loved. Yeah. But that's the way Genesis works. They everybody brings a little bit of something to each track. Mm-hmm. Very few of the tracks are written by one person.
5: Yeah.
0: You know, they all have contributions of either a refrain or an idea for an instrument inclusion, or a lyric. The thing about Genesis is the final tracks that we hear are a composite of a lot of people's ideas. Yes, exactly. So Anthony Phillips, I think, would have enriched that with some of his ideas, Mm. because there are some nice nice bits on this album. It just doesn't hold together as an album. But there are some nice bits which you think, if he had stayed with Genesis he might have bought these two tracks and we would have had some interesting tracks yeah. because the rest of the group would have would have buoyed that idea along. Yeah. But there was no buoying along on this album. No. And exactly. sadly, it needed a lot of people's input to make this
1: interesting. I mean, I think it's really obvious as well that it was recorded in bits
0: over a long period of time. I don't think that helped with the consistency of the tr- of the album exactly. itself. That's it. Exactly. That's It what does I mean. feel like, we said this earlier on, There's no overriding thing that's drawing this together as an album. It It is is several very singular tracks put together, but there's nothing holding it together as an album. Nothing here says, I am on a journey through this album. Yeah. You're just listening to a lot of individual tracks. Mm -hmm. There's no, because there's no emotion in the tracks, there's nothing to really drag you to this album.
1: See, that's another thing. I mean, I know when we talked about A Curious Feeling, Tony Banks' album. One of the criticisms I had was that it doesn't sound as if there's any emotion mm-hmm, behind yep. it. And this sounds the same. It sounds like it's been done. I've written this song, I'm going to record it, but there's no emotion behind any of it. It's, yeah, it's almost like it's done flat. as an exercise. Yeah, it's flat. Yeah, yeah. Which is I why agree. I think Master of Time and Silver Song are brilliant. Well, not brilliant tracks, but they're good tracks because in comparison, it's, it's clearly emotion in Silver Song. There's clearly some emotion behind it He's he's written a song about his friend Master of Time, there's clearly some emotion there Because he sings it, it's a demo And he's playing it so raw If he'd recorded that for the album, Master of Time I think it would have been blanded out Yeah, yeah, I agree It's a shame because Anthony Phillips is clearly a talented writer He's demonstrated that Even on this album he's demonstrated that
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean we've said There's there's some good good ideas on here But nothing to tie it together so, yeah. album aside, because we both agreed it's... Yeah. What did you think of the cover? Uh, yeah, it's all right. Better than most Genesis albums. Yeah, it's it's done by a guy called Peter Cross. Yeah. This is the odd thing about Peter Cross. Mm-hmm. He's only ever done Aunt Phillips covers. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I was looking at his biography earlier. He's yeah. done no other album covers. <laughs> he's, he's done some... Um, very many he's done a lot of pieces of artwork he's a very very recognized artist most of his stuff is uh, children's books he's done right. illustrations for his own children's books yeah um Trouble for trumpet mm-hmm. was one of them and he did uh, a various a series of books about dinosaurs yeah. all of which were very well received that's what he's mostly known for and, and his aunt Phillips covers <laughs> that's the only guy he's done covers for it's very really? odd. Maybe they're mates. Well, that's what I thought. Maybe they are, because because there's no reason why. I mean, the, when you look at this cover, the one thing that strikes you straight away mm. is the monstrous lack of geese. Or ghosts. <laughs> well, there's a ghost on there, or at least they've, there's a fairy that's coming a out of the... It's kind of ghostly. She's drawn <laughs> ghostly. But there should be a great big honking geese on the cover as well. Attacking it. A... But there's no geese at all. I was, trying to, I was looking at it, I was going... Is the geese another name for a guy who sits by a a, a pond <laughs> strumming to a ghost? But I couldn't find any evidence of that. So wow. um, yeah, so no honking geese, but there is a ghost hmm. and a guy playing an instrument. They should be fighting, and the the musician should be trying to split them up. There should be something going on there. I mean, he's playing a lute, and, and yeah. it looks like a tree, isn't he? Yeah, it looks like there's a volcano exploding in the background, though it could be <laughs> a ray of light coming out of a cloud above a hill. kind of hard to tell, but it's uh, a nice little cover. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. not sure it screams prog rock, but there you go. It does look like a folk album, to be fair. It kind of does, yeah. I mean, and there's even toadstools in there. <laughs> but, you know, maybe it's right for this album, because the album's not prog rock either. Well, not in my opinion. You? Uh, no, not really. So to wrap up then...
1: Um, Let's go to our leaderboard. Leaderboard time. Leaderboard time. Now, let me remind you.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Number one, you've got Peter Gabriel. Yes. Number two, you've got Small Creeps Day. Number three, you've got Voyager the Acolyte. Number four, you've got A Curious Feeling. Number 61, you've got Brand X. Number 62, you've got Face Value.
0: Where is this going in that little list? This is going 61.5. No, got to be a whole number. Okay. Purely because it's got one track, collections that I really like. Yeah. I'm gonna slide this in at number 45. 45. 45. I really like collections.
1: Now I, I, mm. I, my, my top six so far is Peter Gabriel number one, Face Value number two, Small Creek's Day number three, like Lacolite number four, Brand X at number five, and Tony Banks at number six. I'm going to put this at number six because I like Master of Time and Silver Song. And although they technically weren't on the original album, I still think they're much better than anything on Tony
0: Banks' album as well. So, So you think that this album was made great by two tracks that weren't on it? Yeah, basically. That about sums it up. So next episode's
1: homework is Steve Hackett's second album. Please don't touch. So get listening to that. God knows I haven't got a life. So it's not like I've got anything
0: else to do, Simon.
1: (laughs) And just remember, if you want to donate some money to the podcast, at the moment, Amazon Music is offering three months of Amazon Music Unlimited, absolutely free to any listener of the Revelation Station podcast. Just click on the link in the podcast description or on our website. And if you do that and you sign up for Amazon Music's free trial, uh, Amazon will donate some money to the podcast
0: Woo-hoo! yeah My Ferrari is within reach.
1: (laughs) And also, if you don't want to sell your soul to Amazon, you can go to buymeacoffee.com, search for the Revelation Station podcast and donate the price of a coffee to the running of the podcast. And anybody who donates will get exclusive access to 10 mini episodes that are going to be released weekly and they are going to cover some tracks
0: that we won't be covering in the main podcast. It's just Simon having a nervous breakdown in front of a microphone, which may be of interest to some people. Um,
1: So if you don't donate, that's fine. You won't miss out on anything important. These are just little extra bits that I've recorded and put up there for anybody who donates the price of a coffee. That's $3. You can donate more if you like, but $3, and that will get you access to all 10 episodes. They're going to be released weekly over the next 10 weeks, so you have a
0: few things to look forward to. This isn't like a game loot box. You're not missing out on something. This is just a thank you to those who buys a coffee. If, indeed, listening to Simon talking endlessly is your idea of a thank you. Is that it for this episode, Simon? That's it for this episode. Join us next time for a little delve into Steve Hackett. Thank you for listening everybody and we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you very, very shortly. Bye everybody,
1: stay safe, take care. Bye. Bye. I mean, to be fair, his private parts and pieces albums are... I don't want to know about his private parts, (laughs)
0: quite frankly.